you're about to enter seventh heaven. If you like this pod, then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel. If you're looking for extra content, you can go to our YouTube page or our social channels, Twitter and Instagram, our handle at seventh heaven pod. Again, like, subscribe, share, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back once again to your Celestial One Stop Pod for all things Rugby Sevens, all things Olympic Rugby Sevens, in fact. This is the pod that is going to take you to Tokyo. I'm Bernsey, I'm joined by Mitch and Burtz this week, and we are going to get into the nitty gritty of what has been happening while we're less than 40 days out from throwing down in Japan. We've had the Olympic repechage. We've had selections for various teams. We've had all sorts going on in the world of sevens. And we're here to get into it. So without further ado, guys, how are you? Yes, Pernsey. Good to see you, mate. How good that Bert's and I are sitting two, do- uh, two rooms apart in LA. And we're still doing the pod. We're an international pod. We've said it before. We'll say it again. We're a global pod. Exactly. Here in, we're we're here in LA, and we're loving life. I'm just I'm just chilling. I'm living life, living life to the fullest, getting burnt. Trained. Oh no, you haven't, have you? First, have. That's like rule number one: don't get sunburnt when you're away. But Burns, it's a lot. I've got to say, it's a nice view. We're recording this, and I'm just watching a customary, beautiful, customarily beautiful LA sunset here, looking at the palm trees and the blue skies. So it has its upsides. Um, that said, just to paint the picture, the view from the hotel window is pretty much the only view of LA we've got. Because, <laughs> you know, we live in a new world and the world we live in coming to LA this week is that we don't see outside the hotel except for training. So it's, it's an interesting, interesting situation over here. I'm claustrophobic, Darren. Anyone seen that? <laughs> what, what is that? Emma Collins. <laughs> <laughs> She's on the big, she's on big brother and they're all trapped in the house. And she goes, I'm claustrophobic, Darren. That's what I feel like. That is what I feel like in the hotel. <laughs> I didn't even think, know that big brother was a thing anymore, but. This was, this was quite a while ago, like a couple of seasons now, but it's. Come on, Bernsey, get with it. Get with so, it. So, well, speak Love Island starting soon though. If we're talking seasons and things to get. You, you a Love Island girl, Bert? I bloody love it. I absolutely love it. I think we we want to do like a Love Island social when we go to Tokyo. So we're going to get dressed up in our opening ceremony kit because the boys will be going and we won't be going because of time that we're in the um, that we're in the village but we're going to do like a Love Island coupling up ceremony, I think. Well, I'm pushing it. So I'm pushing it. But <laughs> the social committee have to approve it first. I mean, isn't Love Island all about friction and Kind of like screwing, <laughs> yeah. screwing each other over. Like, this doesn't sound like an ideal team building exercise to me. It's all about drama. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I reckon we create fake beef. Fake beef between the squad, but we all know it's fake beef. And we all have separate, we all have different names. Fake beef, different names. Um, 
Well, look, we've we've established that you're in LA, and if we hadn't already, Mitch, you've you've come dressed as a surfer dude. In fact, you've been a surfer dude all your life, there, haven't you? I mean, like, if you weren't out there playing sevens, you'd be down in Venice Beach smoking a doobie and like I don't know, selling bra- <laughs> selling bracelets to tourists. I'm gonna put a photo of this up on the socials. Right, in a different in a different life, maybe I would have I would have enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to embrace the culture, Bernsey. Um, no, I, I uh, actually wash my hair, especially for the pod tonight, uh, especially for you two. I like to try and make an effort, you know? Well, I'm glad you're making an effort. And look, it's been a while, so we've got so much to get into. We're going to start straight from the get-go. And the first place to start is the Team GB selection. So it was made... Last week, officially, I guess you guys would have got the heads up previously, but just to refresh all our listeners, is on who has been selected. The GB men's squad going to Tokyo is Alec Coombs, AJ Davis, Ben Harris, Ethan Waddleton, Ross McCann, Tom Mitchell, Captain, Dan Bibby, Robbie Ferguson, Harry Glover, Ollie Lindsay Haig, Dan Norton, Max McFarlane, and 13th man, Tom Bowen. And for the women, it's Holly Aitchison, Abby Brown, co-captain, Abby Burton, oi oi Burt, Deborah hey. Fleming, Mo Hunt, Meg Jones, fellow co-captain, Jazz Joyce, Alex Matthews, Celia Quonsa, Helena Rowland, Hannah Smith, and Emma Uren. Who's the 13th woman? But Lisa Thompson, Lisa Thompson of Scotland. Exactly. So that's your squads. And well, delighted for you guys, first and foremost, delight for everyone going, but tough selection process and probably a tough week for everybody acknowledging those who trained so hard and missed out as well. It's genuinely the most, uh, I think maybe this an injury the most brutal things about professional sport it's something that is such an inevitable aspect of this journey but knowing that it's it's inevitable doesn't make it any easier um and i don't know how you experienced it but but this the degree of intensity of emotion of feeling for an olympic selection and and this is the second one now it is like no other i've not experienced this with any other tournament even you know the World Cups or anything with England, it's not it's just not quite the same. And yeah, as a result, it's been a pretty turbulent couple of weeks in the men's camp. I think um, there's a lot of people feeling one another's emotions. Um, and the, what you have to remember to try and kind of remind listeners and fans of the game is that people with an Olympics, um, you know, this is something that is very much a dream. For people you know growing up going through your careers and so when it's when you don't make it it's very difficult to very difficult to shake off it's very difficult to just process and deal with i think um and it's probably in some ways some of the biggest disappointment people will get in their certainly in their careers but potentially in their lives in some ways um and it's difficult it sounds like you know oh it's just sport it's just you know it's just sport and there'll be other tournaments or you know, you didn't make it, but, you know, it's not that big a deal, but it, it is, it is. And it's hard to really explain, I think, quite how much it means to people. But I think we've all felt it in the men's camp. And I imagine it's probably the same in the women's boats, is it? Yeah, like 
throughout the past week or so especially the week that we all came back in after selection like it it was tough you you felt for the people who weren't selected and for the people who had unanswered questions about selection and why they weren't selected all that was flying around as well um and it, it, it was real tough but hats off to like all the girls they came in and they they still trained as hard as they could and that's just testament to what who the girls are in this group um and like as as Mitch said like that it's it's a dream for people to go and from speaking to the girls who went to the last Olympics they kind of knew their 10 that were going to go um and the other two spaces were up for grabs but for this for this selection process like nobody could have called who exactly was going to go in each position it was so different and especially with previous previous England teams I've been in we've gone with a 6-6 split between forwards and backs but then for this Olympics we've gone for a 5-7 split between the forwards and backs so like we couldn't you couldn't tell who was going to go and like I was sat there like oh I don't think I'm going to go and I couldn't I couldn't have called it on some of the other positions as well let alone like some of the older girls who had already been to an Olympics and how they're feeling now missing out on one um so yeah, it's, the other it's as, tough. The other aspect is that both coaches are first time coaches for these groups of players. So it's very difficult to be in the coach's head and know exactly what they're going to do, what they what they want from the final squad exactly. Um, so that adds to the uncertainty. Um, and it was interesting. So we did it, the way the selection happened as well. Um, I think it's probably different from team to team, but the way we did it in the men's was different from the way the women did it. We did it on the Tuesday morning uh, and everyone had a time slot in the morning to go in with the coaches and have your meeting. And then it was leave your meeting you know, and jump in your car and, and head home. Um, and then, but so you did it with email, didn't you? So everyone went home that day and then got an email later on in the evening. Yeah. Would you reckon? What, yeah, go on. Uh, that it was, we all got in a big room and just decided how we wanted to do it. Like I, I think I opted to, to go for face to face but then after uh, reflection some of the Scottish girls had to drive like five five hours home so we were just like no it's not it's not fair on them if some of them don't get selected and some of them do like car car sharing um and we just thought yeah better for us to do it by email but that was honestly like I I knew that all you boys knew knew yourselves if you were going or not before I'd even left Loughborough and that drive and that that wait to go home like I went to the shopping center and spent 250 pounds worth on clothes because I was that stressed like I was literally like, I need to get selection out of my head buy new clothes buy new clothes now um <laughs> but yeah it was it was so long like but for for you boys are you happy that you did it that way uh yeah I mean I think a lot of us agreed that there's something real about the face-to-face -face thing which we wanted to engage with. Um, but, you know, there must be some tough, bloody journeys home for some of the boys, and no doubt about that. But, but can you... I'm, I'm keen to know what... Paint the picture of when you opened your inbox and, and you saw that email in your inbox. Yes. Where were you and what did it feel like? I was, I was at home with my mum and my dad and one of my brothers. Um, and my dad had come home from work early because I messaged him saying, I don't know what mum will be like if I don't get selected. Um, she will cry, I'll cry. And 
my younger brother, because uh, one of them said point blank he didn't want to be in the house. The other one said, all right, I'll be there, but I will not say a word. Um, and I... <laughs> it was a bit, a bit of self-preservation for them, getting out of arm's way. Ollie was like, I'm not coming in the house. He was like, I'm not coming in. Joe was like, all right, I'll be there. Um, and... Yeah, I was I was just holding on to my phone at seven o'clock and I was like, it's not come through yet, it's not come through. And and I literally opened my phone and I was like, oh, it's come through, it's come through. And we all gathered around the dinner table. <laughs> we all gathered around the dinner table and like I literally just opened my phone, like didn't even open the email funny fully. And all that. I just went, oh my God, I'm going to the Olympics. And like, I was just crying and my mum was crying and my dad was crying who, who I never <laughs> see cry. And like, and then moment of panic set in thinking, am I 13th man? Am I, am I travel reserve? And I was like, give me my phone, give me my phone, give me my phone. And I looked and I was like, I'm not 13th. And I was just, I was hysterically crying, like crouched down on, in our dining room, like, and I just couldn't, I just couldn't keep it together. And I, I, I rung my grandparents and spoke to them. And, and all I saw in the corner of my eye were my mum and dad, like stare, like just holding each other in the kitchen, just like, like she's done it. And, and it's something that like, I've wanted to go to an Olympic since I was literally 10 years old, like did really competitive swimming, athletics and straight into rugby. And, and when I went into rugby, I never ever thought that I would ever have an opportunity to go to an Olympics I thought I'm gonna have to be content with trying to go to World Cup and I know that sounds really bizarre but for a dream that I'd had since I was 10 and then went into rugby never thinking I'd ever be a sevens player like that was gonna have to be enough for me and I just never ever thought I'd ever get that moment or that opportunity and I I think that like all the hard work my mum and dad had put into taking me to swim in at four o'clock in the morning three times a week like for them that paid off all that work paid off for them to put me in the best position for me to do this now and it was just it was just amazing like I'm so glad that they were both there when I did it because I wanted to go originally sit in my bedroom alone but I'm so glad that I did it with both of them like one of the best feelings ever that's cool very very cool but we'll look uh among the hysteria the ecstasy the jubilation Obviously, some tough calls in there and particularly personal to us as a pod, um, me as well. And that is that Chippy wasn't selected for the men's squad and incredibly tough for him. And, you know, Mitch, for you, that would have been been extremely tough. Yeah, I mean, obviously, one of, one of my best mates and played with him for a long time, being on... Uh, journey all the way through together and obviously Chip has sort of spoken before about disappointment from Rio and a lot of the last sort of five years really have been um, to some degree or to one degree or another building up to this point and it wasn't to be for him um, and yeah I mean it's still I don't really know what to say about it if I'm totally honest, which I know is not ideal for a podcast, I'm aware of the irony there. But um, you know, when you when you care about someone and you see their life take a turn that that they don't want, and that um, yeah, in some ways, it's like, and it's not about you know who deserves it more than anyone else. But you, you obviously, I've seen every step of, of his journey for the last five years, and there's part of you thinks, oh, he deserves it. Um, but then obviously, whoever gets everyone who gets picked 
deserves it as well. So it's, I know that that bit of it doesn't make sense, but um, it's very tough. I mean, the the amazing thing is that that last week, once we'd had selection, Chip was in, and you know you see he was hurting, but there were moments where Chip was still Chip, and that was just like mark of the man and the respect that everyone's got for him. Um, you know, still chucking out a slow bit banter here and there, um, and, tra and training his ass off. So, yeah, I mean, what what this what he'll take from this, I don't know, and um, it'll probably take a while to recover from it, no doubt. But um, I know I've also no doubt that he will be stronger for it, better for it, um, which might take a bit of time. But yeah, tough for the big man. Well. It doesn't diminish his value as a person to us. So we love you, Chip, and looking forward to getting him back on the pod ASAP. Look, let's uh, let's talk about the selection day itself. Or, or should we talk about the stash day? No, we're going to talk about the selection itself. We're going to keep it to rugby, and you can smatter it in with the excitement of getting your GB stash. Look, I want to start with the men first. Few things in there. A lot of playmakers. No Welsh. Four Scots and four returning who won silver in Rio. Talk to us about the makeup. Well, as I said, it, like, interestingly, we didn't really know what, what Rocky was necessarily going to land on is, is what he wanted in terms of a balance of the, of the final squad. Um, a lot of it, I think, you know, obviously you've got pick players who are in form and who, who are training well and playing well. And actually training well, probably more so than playing well because they haven't had that many games. So training probably counts for a lot. Previous form experience, maybe a bit as well. I think it's valuable to have four guys who are, who are you know, this would be their second games. I think there's a bit of experience we can lean on there. But ultimately, this is going to be a very different games to, to Rio. So how much that experience counts, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's an interesting blend. I mean, you say four playmakers. We've sort of got Oli Lindsay Haig is, uh, is sort of you're more of like the Maverick style playmaker. He also plays centre. Um, so he, he gives you something a little bit different there. Um, and then myself and Bibbs and Robbie Ferguson um, as the kind of more out and out nines and tens. Um, what other points do you, do you want me to pull out from that, Bernsey, from that squad? Um, um, I'd say what about the players that people might not know a huge amount because they haven't played very much on the World Series? Guys like Alex Coombs. Obviously, we had Mad Max McFarland on. You're welcome, Max. And <laughs> and a few other guys, Ross McCann as well, maybe. I, you know, guys yeah. who haven't, haven't been uh, featuring as regularly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, on this pod as well, we've probably steered clear of talking about the Scots too much, and quite right too. Correct. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so a bit of a bit of a profile. Some of those guys, actually. I mean, Alec Coombs is is a sort of big prop, um, powerful boy. Um, has been demolishing um, defenses when he's played for Scotland with ball in hand, uh, and packs a big punch. Um, he's got. He's, he's pretty sharp as well. Good bit of toe about him. Um, Ross McCann is a little nuggety hooker. Um, good feet. Um, very hard man to tackle because he's almost as wide as he is tall. Uh, and genuinely, he might actually be as wide as he He's got the <laughs> biggest fucking dumper I've ever seen. Biggest dumper I've ever seen. Like on any any human being. But because he's quite short as well, I think it accentuates it. 
I mean, fair play, fair play to him. That's obviously where his power comes from. But this is his derriere you're referring to. His bottom, <laughs> indeed, his, his, indeed. His bottom. His bottom. He's got a wide load. Um, he needs one of those signs <laughs> in the back. Wide load. Um, sat next to him on the bus. So I was like, "Wait, you're gonna let me on the seat or what?" An absolute <laughs> joke. Um, luck- luckily, I've only got a small little tush to squeeze on next to. Him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Max McFarlane, we know a bit about. We featured him, um, and he's—I uh, mean—he's brilliant to watch. He's just like—he's almost as rogue as they come in some respects. But the man's made of concrete. Pimbles around when he's carrying the ball. Um, punches way above his weight. Uh, he's great. And then Robbie is like—he uh, is the definition. You'd love him, Bernsey, because he is a nose, mate. Loves it. <laughs> Loves it. Like. It, Honestly, if you mention rugby around him, mention code, he'll be there. He'll have the laptop open. He'll be wanting to look at kickoffs. He'll go through the launches. Any, any excuse, he's into it, um, which is great because he drives that side of things. And, and he does. I like, loves the analysis, eye for detail. Um, really, really smart man of the game, like really switched on. And captained by Mr. California Dreaming himself. How does that feel, Mitch? How does that feel, mate? You get the you get the nod for the second t- second time in four years, five years. Sorry. Yeah, it was actually a bit going back to the selection day because, I mean, I I was when I went into the room before we even had a conversation. I was already I was already gone um, because I think a lot of the emotion from the last kind of fifteen months and thinking back to training in the back garden last year and the moments I wanted to just jack it all in and thinking, you know, all the conversations we had about whether there was even going to be a programme and trying to sort all that out. Uh, that kind of came flooding back in the sort of 30-second walk down the corridor before I got to the room, the meeting room. Um, anyway, what, so I was, I was quite a mess when we were having the chat, but acknowledged that I was in and it was great. But I didn't really know if we talked about the captaincy. And I, I texted Rocky late in the day once I got home and asked him about it um, because... I didn't know if that if they'd mentioned it or not. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, it was, you, you, um, sorry, 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 sorry. You forgot whether you'd been told you were going to be captain of the GBT. Yeah, well, I was overwhelmed with the emotion at the time. <laughs> Mate, that doesn't um, that doesn't bode well for pressure situations. <laughs> <laughs> kick no, it out! Kick it well, out! <laughs> <laughs> losing. <laughs> uh, no, nah, it's a different story. When you got the cleats strapped on, it's a different story. Um, oh, mate, it's amazing. It actually is the most powerful thing about about being named captain of a group like this is you know where everyone's come from to get to this point, and it's kind of unique in some ways. Maybe not unique, but it's something special for this period of time that the players involved have been incredibly resilient and in some cases, sacrificed a hell of a lot to be in this group. And so to kind of lead what is an incredibly impressive group of individuals uh, just fills me with sort of pride. I think I think I take more pride in some ways from that than, than other things. Um, and does it feel different? I feel like I'm in a very different space to, to five years ago, if you can compare the two. Um, hopefully matured a bit but I think just going to this with a different perspective and what it means to lead a team is probably different for me now to what it was five years ago well look the whole captaincy thing is quite interesting because we're gonna sidestep into the women's selection through the captaincy because Bert you've got two co-captains you've got Abby Brown you've got Meg Jones your Wasps teammate 
who are going to co-captain. So talk to me about that. How's that dynamic going to work? Have you, have you ever been involved in a co-captaincy situation on a team? No, I, I've, throughout the whole time I played for England, Abby was our captain then. Um, but since we've come into GB, Meg's kind of fallen into like a very strong like leadership role. Um, Is that a polite way of saying that she's bossy? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit bossy, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> we all know Meg. Don't mess with Meg. Don't mess with Don't Meg. Don't mess with Meg. But that's but that's the difference that you get you get with Abby. You get Abby's more of the the calm, cool, collective. Like she takes on board people's feelings, like how, but how that what headspace they're kind of in at that moment in time, how to deliver certain things, and and Meg's the one who kind of drives standards, um, and is the one who if we need a bit of a kick up the backside, she'll she'll give you it, um, but that's that's earned Meg's earned that from the years that she's been playing with with all the different people and she's she's earned that through the development of it's like the newer girls that have come in she's she's earned that respect from them to be able to be have those honest conversations um and they complement each other really well um especially they're so close off the pitch so then when they go on the pitch they're they just they just click and they 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 know when to speak when not to speak um especially with they don't give too much information in, in one go. So it's it's a really, really good balance balance to have within within the team. What about you, Mitch? Have you ever co-captained? Are you always always just been the top dog? <laughs> uh, well it was interesting because when we with England, um, when it was me and Burge, there was a, there was a bit of that going on really. Um, I think maybe Simon thought that my ego couldn't handle being called a co-captain. There might have been a thing. But essentially, <laughs> essentially that was the, that was what went on. You know, we, we sort of played different roles in that squad. <laughs> um, You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, we'll be co-captains, but just right captain next to me. Yeah, you can be, we'll just put VC next to you. It's an interesting thing. I actually thought about it, if I'm being totally honest, because when you get used to captaining sides, even though it doesn't, it wouldn't change the way I'd behave, whether there's the label or anything, and that, and I genuinely mean that, uh, and that's the way I've approached this whole period. But I, it probably would rock me a bit, just because when you're used to something, and then you don't have that thing, it's it's new, it's different. Probably, probably be, I don't know, I don't know what that would be like. Okay, hey, have a think about that and come back with a more coherent answer next time, Mitch. Should we leave it at that? Well, look, let's talk about the personnel of the women's team, but because it is all England players other than Jazz Joyce, Hannah Smith, and Lisa Thompson. So I think everyone knows who Jazz Joyce is. She is the out and out super wheel speedster of Wales. Maybe Smith and Thompson, people know less about? Yeah, so um, Hannah Smith um, is one of the, she's been one of the hearts of the Scottish team for the past like three or four years. Um, on Within the 15 squad playing 13, but then also within within the seven squad. She's a very, very physical, physical ball carrier um, and is able to inject that pace onto the ball um, that we that we kind of need in 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 our team um and she, she just brings that that physicality in in attack and then also in defense as well and then lisa thompson um is the other center counterpart within the 15 setup so tomo plays 12 but then 
coming into um coming into the seven she's she plays within the forwards so she's got that ability to be a bit of a ball handling forward um but also very very dominant ball carrier very very aggressive in defense and also can pull out a jackal when she needs to as well so very 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 well-rounded players the the both of them um and then obviously as you alluded to jazz joyce out and out out and out wheels on the on the wing um which absolutely makes no sense because jazz's hamstring strength is just not even existent but the speed that comes out of that girl is honestly unreal. Like I, I cannot believe how fast she is. Like, she's the quickest in your squad. Who there must be a quick, pretty good race between a couple of those girls, actually. Yeah, I think potentially Deborah Fleming has ran the quickest out of our elected squad that's here. Um, on the GPS. Yeah, on the GPS, but um Jazz's ability to to finish to finish tries literally from when she's got like three defenders around her. I think we played one game in Ireland and she did not get tackled once. And she she scored like five tries and did not get tackled in that whole game. Like just her ability to beat defenders within a five meter grid is honestly unreal. Like she, she I think obviously players have seen her before on the on the series when Wales are played, but like they will not expect what she can deliver, especially with the different combinations around her now, um, the people who have the ability to put her into space, like she will be dangerous. And similarly with Hannah Smith and then with Lisa Thompson as well, given the opportunity to come on the pitch. Um, so Jazz Joyce actually went to Rio last time, along with Mo Hunt, who got brought in from 15s to complement the women's squad. And then Abby Brown was there, obviously. So that's only three players. Is there a real sense that this is just a brand new team who are going out and chasing something new? And you built a new culture, new philosophy, a new everything. Feels very young and exciting. Yeah, I think that because we've been, like, as you said, the core group is English. We've this group has kind of been together for the past three years now. And then you've added in the, the, the Scottish and the Welsh girls. Um, and we, we did have to create our own culture and our own environment, considering that we have, that the majority is English, is English. We couldn't have just transferred that across. Like it doesn't work like that. And we didn't want it to work like that either. Um, so for us to be able to create a new like structure of play, especially new new defensive system, uh, with James Rodwell taking the the lead on our defensive work. Um, we, we are like a brand new team. We we play differently, um, we defend differently, and I think that we have a different aura and a different feel about us as well. Because one thing that we really lacked as an English squad when we were together was competition between us in the squad. You kind of knew who was going to every World Series and bar like one or two positions and it was whoever really was fit was going to go because our squad size was so small but now because we've had that competition leading up to this point between ourselves in the squad with the different Welsh and Scottish girls and then other English girls coming in like we have created a whole new team and a whole new like competition between the team which actually you don't really notice the lack of experience that we all have um like especially with like some of the young ones, including myself, like I haven't even been playing sevens that long. So you don't, 
but you don't actually notice because of how intense training's been and how we're all willing to just put our hand up for a shirt, if that makes sense, if I've explained that well. Yeah, bang on the money. You're getting, you're getting a very, very thoughtful look from Mitch across the Zoom. <laughs> so you're, you're really operating in some sweet spots there for, for, <laughs> for, for Mitch's mind, Bert. <laughs> Love it, Bert. Stimulated. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. So that's the teams. We're not going to dwell on them too much because at the end of the day, we're going to see you in action this weekend because you're playing in a tournament out in LA, that's why you're there. You're going to be playing against the USA, amongst other sides. We'll touch on that a little bit later, but let's talk about what you have been doing because we haven't caught up since the St. George's tournament. Since then, you've actually been to Ireland and you've played against Ireland a million times in Ireland in an England versus Ireland super comp. GB, GB versus Ireland, Bernsey. What did I say? England. England versus Ireland. Did I say England? Don't worry. Don't worry. People have been making that mistake in camp. And when they do, we come down on them very, very hard. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. What's that like? Is, is, there, is there a bit of healthy Celts versus English oppressor banter going on out there? <laughs> yeah, there is. Especially when we had the football last week as well. It was all kicking off. I thought that might be for a minute. I thought that might be the end of the, the squad harmony there and then. Um, but the nil-nil was probably quite kind, I think, to both parties in some ways. Yeah, if you get caught referring to it as the wrong team or wearing even wearing team stash or anything like that. Well, that's it. That's yeah. it, right? So you had your stash day. We saw it all on Instagram. How good was that? Like, talk us what happened. It looked like he went into a spaceship and <laughs> then got vomited on by Adidas and came out as GB athletes. <laughs> The, the spaceship was actually the NEC in Birmingham, um, but it'd been beautifully jazzed up. Um, and it was cool, wasn't it, But Really cool. So, I mean, we, we, the first bit, you, you sort of, you go in um, and you're treated to sort of a talk with Team GB and a couple of videos and you're surrounded by some sort of, the story of the Olympic Games, the story of Great Britain. There's an amazing illustration that they've done for this one, which is basically someone's drawn um, athletes across the ages. So right back from way back when and done like four or five for each Olympic Games. Um, but they're specific athletes that competed. So it kind of tracks all the way through till now. And it's really, it's really cool, like really powerful. Um, makes you feel part of something much bigger. And that was the kind of the way they tear up. And then you you get sorted with a million sets of garms, don't you, Bert? You do. You first go into like your opening and closing ceremony kit. Then you get into a suit situation. I look a bit like a school teacher in mine, but you got a I'm suit. the vibe. Yeah, it's like a formal wear. <laughs> I've got like a necktie and everything. And then <laughs> can you imagine Bert in a suit? I look like a teacher. I took a photo in it and I sent it to my mum and my mum was like, what is that? And I was like, no, Get no, that no. on the socials. Get that photo on the socials. I look kind of cool. I mean, like, I'm thinking Bert's in a suit. Like Bert's approaches me in a suit and my immediate reaction would be to say, oh, your colleague stamped my ticket a moment ago and went through to the other carriage. <laughs> <laughs> That's cold. That's Savage. cold. Savage. Um, but past the suit, you go into Adidas kit. <sighs> and um, we had a little mishap in, in my group. Me and um, Jasmine Joyce went into the wrong changing rooms. 
And I'm trying on this kit thinking, who did I think I was when I put down these sizes? Like, I ain't a size eight and I ain't a size 10. And I was like pulling these shorts up that were glued to me. And Jazz keeps coming out of changing rooms going, these are too big. And I'm going, these are too small. And we both like look at each other and we're like, you got my kit on? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, it was insane. After all, you got all your Adidas kit, went in and did a bit of media work, didn't we, Mitch? So um, it was very exciting. Did you get pulled out for extra media work, Bert? Now that you're um, a professional media person, obviously after your pod. Unfortunately, experience. I didn't. But I nearly beat Abby Brown on a chopstick game that we had to play, putting dice together on chopsticks with chopsticks. But I did lose last minute. However, on a side note, I enjoyed my time. So. Well, <laughs> Can I delve a little bit deeper into the stash bag? That it is it specific to rugby or is it specific to just any Team GB athlete? Like how does how does it work? Like if I'm going out to the Olympics to compete in Taekwondo, am I going to get the same stash as you, or is it all personalised for the sport that you're playing? Yes, yeah, good question. So the answer to that is you get both. So everyone, all the Team GB athletes have the same stash which is like you're wearing around the village stuff, your tracksuits, your jackets, uh, your general bits and bobs, your bucket hat. Oh, my days, that is an exciting bit of kit. Can't wait to rip the bucket hat. Um, and you're like trainers and stuff. So everyone's got the standard bit. And then there's the sports-specific stuff. So for us, that is the training kit, obviously the match kit, um, the boots, um, uh, and those sorts of like little little bits and bobs. So we're not going to get a taekwondo gi or whatever they're called. If that's what you're worried. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've all been watching Cobra Kai. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there's some interesting bits of kit of the other sports get that I think would be pretty sick. Um, but no, no budgies, no uh, no Tom Daly Team GB budgies, Bernsey. No, bu- no, bu- no budgies. Bert's been at no Bert's feet have been in LA for two seconds flat, and already there's a photo of her and her teammates like budgied up the wazoo. Like Bert's, you love a budgie smuggler. I love a budgie smuggler. Like I think I have like fourteen or fifteen pairs of budgies. I just love it. I love the cool prints. I just love like you know when you walk down to the pool and you're like. Oh, just feel the vibes of when you're wearing budgie smugglers. That's what I feel like. And all the girls love them as well. So we proper get into it. We're like, should we all wear matching today? Yeah, let's do it. You were ahead of the game, weren't you? Because you got, before we got the Addy stash, you actually got legit budgie smuggler Tokyo bikinis, haven't you? Yeah, we did. The, um, it, it was originally an idea when we were going to, when we were trying to, fundraise money for the um the program to come back up which was to basically sell budgie smuggler would sell these budgies and we would get uh some money from them as like a a royalty but actually when the program came back up we'll just like sack that we'll just have the budgies out there and that people will eventually be able to buy them off of the budgie site like exclusive tokyo budgies um i have to make sure i don't say tokyo 2021 with that copyright situation but tokyo (laughs) budgies so um yeah, we we absolutely love it. We we literally got stashed up before we went out. I was like, girls, don't you worry. Scrunchies, 
but geez, let's go. You could ima- you could just imagine. I can see it now. Bert's being one of the chief frolickers budgied up at the Dubai Sevens in the little paddling pool that they've got on the outside concourse. For anyone oh, who has yeah. anyone who hasn't been to the Dubai Sevens, they've got a pool outside the main stadium between pitch one, pitch two, and pitch three. And basically anyone can just go for a dip and it is I mean, I don't want to know, like... Put it this way, I hope they use a lot of chlorine in that pool because <laughs> there's a few things that need killing. I've lost it. Bert's has, has lost it. We Anyway, we've given Budgie Smuggler a big enough plug here. Let's yeah, we talk. have. Oh, my days. Seventh Heaven Budgies. Finally, some merch. Finally going to get some merch. We got our faces on the bum. Budgie Smuggler, we're out here. We're out here. (laughs) DMs open. Email. Email checked occasionally by me. Um, Look, so this is going to be your last tournament. This is why you're out in LA. We're finally back to the rugby. Woo! That was a close shave. And you're going to be playing USA, of course, because you're in LA. But there's not going to be any Canada there. So tell us about how this tournament's looking. So for the men, we're playing against USA, Argentina, uh, South Korea, and potentially Kenya. So again, the new world we live in, full of uncertainties. We don't even know who we're playing and it's two days away. Kenya are struggling to get access into the US because getting over here at the moment, you need government exemptions, visas, and things like that. So they are TBC in terms of a team in this mini tournament. I'm not sure which teams or why teams decided that this is going to be one that they did or didn't attend. But what we do know is we've got some good opposition to play against. It's going to feel a little bit more like a tournament going from you know, a different team uh, each time. But there will, we will repeat. So we'll play probably, it's looking like USA, Argentina, Korea on day one. And then on the second day, maybe repeat that. Um, so we'll get six games across the weekend, across the two days, yeah. Is there any more, but tell me it's more straightforward for the women. Uh, so we, <laughs> we currently have USA, Jamaica, and we are also meant to have Kenya. But as Mitch said before, Kenya are struggling to get into the country. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's just the, the two teams currently at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, when... I wonder whether people, sorry, jump in. I wonder whether people think this goes on in professional sport. Do you know what I mean? Like, because you think, well, if they want to go and play a tournament, obviously the government will just, you know, they'll just sort it out. Let like them, these yeah. things just get sorted. But it's not the case. I think maybe it's the case in sports where there's a lot more cash flowing around, but sevens, maybe not so much. And also not coming into America, I don't think. I think America's mm. a, a sticky, a sticky situation trying to get into America. Um, but yeah, we didn't even, we were unsure whether Jamaica were even going to get here. Um, they literally came, got here today. Um, so we, we didn't even know whether they were, they were coming or going to be completely honest with you. So, um, but okay. it'll be good. I can tell, I can tell you that the men's team definitely wouldn't be coming because they are probably still smashed with Eddie Jordan. In Monaco, I don't know if you saw their social yeah. media after the repechage. They're like they they came with they came with a game plan: get to Monaco, lose every game, get knocked out early, <laughs> first in the bar. 
Like classic, se- classic sevens mentality. And there's fa- and there's videos of them on the Instagram with Eddie Jordan in a restaurant in Monaco. They're living the dream. I know, mate. And it wasn't just Eddie Jordan. It was Eddie Jordan absolutely pissed off his nut. He was going for it, wasn't he? And they got the geezer up on the chair, one of the boys. Yeah, I mean, they did it right. I didn't realise that the repercharge, if you, if you don't get through to the the knockouts, then there's no more games, is there? So they literally played one one day of rugby and then went on and had and a Leo Sayer, which is uh, fair play to them. Which is something that none of us have really had an opportunity to do for quite a long time because of the old COVID. And really? uh, just before we move on to that repercharge, just looking at USA, a couple of big bits of news. So Nate Ebner, the NFL superstar, has withdrawn from the Olympics. He announced that this week. But on the plus side, our boy P. Bake back running, back releasing footage of him scoring tries for fun. Does does anyone ever not score tries for fun? I always wonder about that phrase. But Harry Baker... I like to score tries in a very serious fashion. Yeah, Karen. I don't score, boys. Yeah, it's cool. Are we going to see any tries soon, Burt? you fancy it? Probably not, no. No, no. This weekend, meat pies for days. Meat pies for... We start the meat pie for Bert's campaign today. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get a tally going on the socials. Ding, ding. Um, Do we think Bert's will score a try this weekend? Nope. Or hell no. no. (laughs) Yeah, we'll put it it to the poll because the listeners got it right about the repercharge final. But look, Perry Baker looks like he is making a miraculous recovery, which is bad news for opposition defences, amazing news for the game because the one thing we want is the best players in the world playing in the Olympics, isn't it? Big time. What what a man to to come back. I'm so pleased because... I mean, I, the head, we don't know that he's going to be there, but you're not going to leave him out of the squad if he's even probably 60% fit. Because um, he's a brilliant player. Great to see him back. Uh, and I'm sure he'll be doing his usual naughtiness in Tokyo, which will be great for everyone. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. Right. We did touch on it. More on the social scene with the Jamaica boys and Eddie Jordan. But let's talk about the action on the field because it was actually an unbelievable and very, very important weekend's sevens in Monaco. It was the Olympic repechage where one men's team and two women's team would book their final spots on the plane to Tokyo. The reason that there were two women's spots available was because both North American slots were filled by Canada and USA finishing high enough up the World Series ranking. So they secured their place. It meant that there were two up for grabs with the rest of the world. And we'll start there because France and Russia, they are going to Japan. And it's not the biggest shock, is it, Bert? No, it's not. I think that Russia, in their qualifying uh, last game, they, I think they won like 38 nil, And I also think that France nilled whichever team that they were playing as well. Um, if they would have gone and they hadn't have qualified, I think it would have been a massive, massive shock. Um, look, I'm really, I'm happy for both the teams that are, that are, that have qualified now to go. Like it, it's tough when we were in Europe and like, especially on the series, France were above us 
on the series. And I think Russia were literally one below us. And it's it's tough because some of the best teams are within Europe and only one could go from that European tournament. Um, it wasn't that- tough, but you loved it. You loved it, say, willing that qualifier. <laughs> I did love winning that qualifier. I was screaming. I was screaming on the sideline, loving life. But like for the game, it's it's tough when you have when you have different. I know that the Olympics all about um, inc- inclusivity, if that's the word. Um, but with some of the best teams on the world being out of that because they're in the European tournament, like your Spain, your Ireland, and then with Russia and France, it. I'm happy that they were able to be two teams go from the the repertoire rather than just one. It just brings a standard up for the whole game. It, it makes the game more exciting for everybody. Uh, but I also understand that maybe the repertoire wasn't the most exciting thing to watch at the weekend from the women's point of view, um, because Russia and France did just spank everybody. Yeah, I think that, I think Russia only conceded one try all weekend. And your girl, your favourite, Elena Zrakova. Zrakova, help- yeah. Helped herself to nine tries as well across the weekend. So, but the thing to point out was Russia defeated Kazakhstan and France beat Hong Kong. Both sets of women went bananas at the final whistle. Like, yes, it was a bit of a cakewalk, but that was what it meant to them to be qualifying for the Olympics. And and Russia is their first Olympics. They didn't qualify for the last one. Yeah, they're like I, I watched both of their reactions and like it brings me back to how we felt and how excited that we were when we qualified us. And I, I think for France especially, they pumped so much money into their sevens program. And for them not to qualify at the Euros, I think was a massive, massive blow for them. And then then them going to Madrid, going to Dubai, and then coming over to over the pond to us in England, like you could tell that they 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 knew that they were going to qualify, but they were just waiting to be told that. Um, so honestly, like I'm I'm really happy for for that group of girls to be able to get it, get out there and and qualify for them. And yeah, Russia as well, first Olympics that they that they've been to, and it will be good to see them on on that stage as well and what and what they bring. Moving swiftly onto the men, because like the men was a hot ticket out there this weekend. Loads of, quite a lot of interesting stuff going on there as well. Before we get on to the final between Ireland and France, with which Ireland won, there was quite a lot of interesting stuff going on. Like Uganda had to withdraw. So that was one of the other main competitors, not in the tournament. They feature on the World Series. There's a lot of buzz around Tonga with uh, Malachi Fekatoa, the former All Black, transitioning back to Tonga to play for sevens, which frees him up to play 15s. And Samoa, disappointing. No Tomasi Alessio and just generally outbiffed. Well, what did you make of it, guys? Yeah, the, uh, well, firstly, the, the Tonga thing is interesting because, oh, wow, they're just, I mean, there's that, there's that rule that they're exploiting because it wasn't just Malachi Victor. There's a few boys in there, I think, that were literally using it for, uh, to get that, registration back for Tonga. The, the Samoa thing is a little bit sad because they are such a good sevens nation. And but the whole time I've been playing the game, their the consistency of their success has kind of been disrupted by the fact that, you know, y- union disputes, change of head coach, um, your head coach is being forced to leave because the relationships with the union, like 
all the crap that you shouldn't have to part with as a player and that does disrupt your progress, it seems to happen to them. And, you know, funding issues. And I think this is another example of that. Like not having, that's not their best team, is it? You know, we've seen no. much better teams on the World Series over the years. So, and that's baffling in some ways, isn't it? To think, right, this is a shot going to an Olympic Games for your country and you've not sent the best team you've got available to uh, for one reason or another. You know, we don't know. It'd be, it'd be interesting to try and dig around and, and find out why, but I'm, I imagine it's pretty tough for some of those boys to have either turned that down or not be involved, whatever it is. But, yeah, they were disappointing. I mean, they were, they were, they were decent, but nothing like the firepower that we think they could have had. Shame. Shame. It left, of course. It left two favourites, and... It was a pretty cruisy road to the final for Ireland and for France. They scored a lot of points. Um, two boys who scored a lot of points were Terry Kennedy and Jordan Conroy. Those boys just scoring tries for fun. Um, they were probably the stars of the show all round. The Irish, the Irish twins, they're calling them. The Irish try scoring <laughs> twins is the chat, isn't it? Yeah, nine tri- nine tries to Kennedy, 11 for Conroy. I'm just thinking if we came out like I saw Jordan Conroy do an interview afterwards, and if one of us girls came out like if we something like that on the series, we would get absolutely shredded, like absolutely shredded. But like their their tries speak some speak for themselves, don't they? And that that out the back that Kennedy did to Conroy, that like no look, um, in one of in one of the games was unreal. Um, like it's it's good to see especially with islands like their journey to get to that point it's it's great to see them actually now like the full dominant island force that they've always said that they could do so it won't all chat um <laughs> it won't it won't all chat um so so yeah i i absolutely loved watching them play at the weekend and especially like in the final as well like it was insane that was proper drama wasn't it because it was close for a lot of that game, and then Ireland just pulled away. There was, there was a a moment. I think I can't remember who scored the try. It might have been Conroy scoring another, and that seemed to be the turning point. And they scored again quite quickly, and it just looked beyond France. I think France just struggled against Ireland seven up defence. Just didn't have a way through it. But what was it? Conroy said in that interview. He said something like, um, "Like I'm trying to be modest here, but like me and Terry, like we're a nightmare for defences." <laughs> Yeah, like, I was like, yeah. Do you know what? Fair play. Called themselves like the the nightmare duo. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, why? Like, when have we become NFL? Like, when have we become that as a rugby sevens? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I I say bring more of that chat on in our interviews yeah. afterwards because it's it'll get more people watching. He's a character. I, we we gotta we gotta encourage that to blossom. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, there's only a few, few good characters in that Irish team. And they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. I'll be licking their lips come Tokyo because they've had a, a good preparation, decent amount of game time. The only team to play a meaningful tournament in terms of there being something genuine on the line, which counts for a lot. And, and to win that, you're coming off a big high. Yeah, they've got the, the spine of their squads in good shape with Terry, John Coram, we've mentioned, but Billy Dardis, the captain's big for them. And Harry McNulty, who obviously came back specially for this process after spending most of the season with the LA Giltinis. So, um, yeah, fair play the Irish boys. No luck about it. Yeah, I think that they will be like a, 
a proper force we reckon with come Olympics time, especially what you just said with that high, because they'll just be cruising all the way. Mm. Like they won't, they won't have had that down yet unless, unless they change with Olympic selection. Um, but I don't know whether that team will go straight into the Olympics. I wondered that. Yeah, whether whether they'll whether they'll do a switch Rooney, but as you said, the the like the spine of the teams there. So I guess that it will be worked to potentially worked around that. On the other side of the coin though, Bernsey, what do you make of it for the French boys? Gutted for JP. Gutted for JP Barak. And and France as well, because they had a great World Series, didn't they, in twenty six. Well, they didn't have a mega World Series, but they were beginning to find their form as a nation and they were beginning to become consistently threatening. Uh, they made a final. Uh, Verandamu was completely unplayable at times. And then, you know, their players gone away. They've worked hard. And that final in Monaco as well, with a lot of French voices in the stands cheering them on, like that's that's an interesting one with pressure that we can probably get into another time. But, mate, as you said, I, I watched it and Ireland defended them for about six minutes in that first half. Like, it was mighty. And I think they managed to finally break them down. Then they won the kickoff and they scored immediately. They went ahead and you thought, right, they managed to break Ireland here. But you spoke about game-breaking moments and kind of... Not not exactly similar to when you scored against them in Dubai, but they had possession, offset piece, and they fluffed their lines and they dropped it in the midfield. And that's when Conroy picked it up and went right through the middle of them. His, his speed there was frightening, by the way, because he chose to go through the two defenders and Remy Siega was one of them. Hey, there wasn't even a shred of French DNA on him as he went through. He is so fast. But when he scored that, that seemed to, I, I don't know, it seemed to lift Ireland up and crush France a little bit and they never recovered. So, yeah, so tough right. for them. So tough for them. It is tough because they're, they're a genuinely good side who can compete and they've put so much, so much money, for, for starters, into this process but a lot of time they've been together the whole time as well for the last year they've been going on like trips they've been in camps they've been playing tournaments a lot of time energy cash has gone into this journey and oof. oh just to say i know it doesn't make it any better but then i think the only saving like the saving grace that they can look forward to is the next olympics is in paris so they they'll get automatic qualification, won't they? But most of those boys won't be involved though. It's just tough. They for not? Them. Well, some of those older boys that'd be it for them, I think. Um, I don't think yeah. JP will be back to sevens now. Oh. He was electric know. at the but weekend as well. He was real good, was JP. So it's he always is, always is. On the plus side though, for French sevens, people will just tune in for the women's, so it'll boost the women's game. Yeah. So silver lining. Mm. Yeah. Uh, funny, yeah, it's funny you say that about French boys not being around for the next one. Like, I don't understand why Terry Bourua didn't come on earlier in the final. Veradami picked up a knock, so he wasn't really sort of, you know, impactful. They only put him on for the last minute. Sasha Valu, he was on the bench. JP was looking as handsome as ever, though. Handsome as ever. We're going to be sad he, not he to see. He did look great, even with his blonde lid. Yeah, he looked great. 
Loved it. Loved I love it. it. Burnsy chucking out coaching tips. Mate, you should give the French, uh, the FRU a call, see if they want to give you the sevens coaching job, mate. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. We're beginning to run out of time on this pod because it's now five o'clock in the morning. I'm doing my own Olympic test event to, tonight <laughs> by getting up at 3am so that I can pod with you guys in LA. So let's just wrap up what's been going on elsewhere in the world of sevens. We spoke about players having to withdraw Nate Ebner through injury but on the women's side massive massive loss for the black ferns massive loss of the game as well near williams has had to withdraw through injury for the black ferns uh she put a really emotional post out there but uh about her withdrawal huge outpouring of grief for her but her i guess the the legacy of her leadership and her impact is going to remain on the black ferns but massive loss for them yeah like, as you've just said there, Burnsy, it's an absolute massive loss. Like, she has been in that squad, like, went to the last Olympics and then really established herself within that centre role within the squad. So it, it it will be interesting to see now what how the Black Ferns respond to that. But with their depth that they have in that squad, it's I'm sure that they will be able to put someone in that position. But will they be able to fill that position as well as, as, well as Niall has for the past however many years with her leadership and her ability to just absolute batter over people in attack and defense like it will be a huge huge loss for them um but you know what the post that she put up like it's it's the other side of sport that we don't see that people don't see and like you appreciate the fact that she's done that and I know how hard that must have been for her to put that up uh, with her the video of her crying and the the hacker that the girls did when when they when they've now gone away to over to Australia, so like it's tough, really really big loss for them. Heart goes out to her. Nice little mention of Australia there, because New Zealand men and women are going to be in Townsville in Australia this weekend. They're playing against Australia and Fiji teams in the Oceania Sevens. It's going to be a spicy tournament. We'll put the team squads up on the socials for you guys to check out but no Moza Longbottom in the Aussie men's squad do you know anything about that that's that's Maurice to you lot at home Moza to me <laughs> Moza to his mates yeah mate I, uh, I think he's got to be a shooting for their squad so there must be an injury issue there uh, obviously customarily haven't done my relevant research before the pod so I'll do it after the pod and we can put the background information out on the socials for the listeners um but for my eyes he must be injured because he's going to be in their squad isn't he he's he's, he's got to be he's got to be i, I love more i love Mozart long but i would have had him in my team of the year for the last series but you guys riled me down about it in fact you made me feel really insecure like i think chip called me an idiot when I said it, and I was like, I was like, oh, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. So we try and make you feel like that every time we record. I thought that was the, that was part of the fun. That was part of the game. Gaslighted in seventh heaven. Um, uh, <laughs> A quick one on the Aussie Aussie teams. Uh, Emily Cherry has announced her retirement as well. Uh, one of the goats of sevens came back after she had a baby, and then. Has, has announced her retirement who and she was in the last Olympic squad. Um, and they've also got um, Alicia Quirk as well, who's just had a baby, who was in their last Olympic squad as well, but had Chloe Dalton return, who played in the AFL, who was in the last Olympic squad. So 
they've got a mixture of different players floating around at the moment, but big loss for them losing Cherry and Quirk so close to an Olympics. Massive, mm. massive, massive. Um, speaking about big players being lost to big nations, have you heard about Roscoe Speckman? In terms of him playing for the, for the bigger boys? Well, yeah, so Roscoe Speckman of the Blitzbocker, South Africa Sevens, has been named in the South Africa 15 squad to potentially play against the British Lions, which would obviously rule him out of the Olympics this summer. So yeah. he got pulled out of the Sevens programme and he's previously played for the Stormers and he's played for the Cheetahs and he got put into the Bulls team so that he could get game time so that they could pick him for the South Africa squad for the Lions. So he's been earmarked, especially brought in and and he's been picked. So it looks like there's going to be no Speckman for South Africa, which is massive. Yeah, a bit of a loss for them. Uh, he's a dangerous, dangerous player. Like You don't have to scroll very far down the World Rugby Instagram feed to see some highlights of him doing some naughty things on the field. Um, but I think it's really interesting because he's like, he's not that young. And this call up to 15s has come at quite late in his career. And I think, uh, you know, I follow him on Instagram. He's posted about it, being, you know, kind of inspirational about what faith you can have in what lies in store for you and kind of never writing yourself off to new opportunities. So I, I gather he's pretty pleased about it. Um, I mean, he's not exactly going to put out on his Instagram like, shit, I'd actually rather be doing the sevens. And, you know, I don't really want to want to call up for the 15 side. But um, what an exciting prospect, you know, potentially playing against the British and Irish Lions, big milestone for his career um, and, and well-deserved. The, the man's electric. Interesting though, isn't it, that they do that over there? Like, in a system where there is that crossover more so between seven and fifteens and, and the control of the union and kind of manufacturing those opportunities when they're the right ones. Um, Cause he's in some ways he's following in similar path to what Sinatla did, uh, albeit a good few years ago, but obviously Sinatla stepped out of the sevens team and ended up in the, in the 15 side um, getting full cap. So it's not the first time this has happened, but it's an interesting time for it to happen out from just out for Olympic Games. Interesting question of priorities, I guess, for the, the South Africa Rugby Union, potentially. Or do they or do they think they've got strength and depth in the sevens, so it's not a loss? We'll see. Well, it's probably it's his choice, right? They're not gonna make him go and play against the Lions, are no. they? But they've obviously it's obviously massive over there in South Africa. So yeah, sad to miss him. He's one of my favourite players, but I'm sure he'll go well. I guess last few things to wrap up. Anything on Canada and USA women, Bert's to share? USA women have had their Olympic selection put out for their squad, uh, which got put out, uh, I think it was two days ago. Um, we're seeing your classic Ilona Marr, who came on the pod. Uh, Friend of the pod. Friend Nia, of the pod. Naya Tapper uh, in that team. Nicole Not a friend Hoogland, of the pod. Alev Kelter. Um, <laughs> So we have a few different a few different people um, in there who are very very dominant on the series, uh, but not really heard heard much about Canada at the moment. I uh, don't really know what's going on with them uh, currently. Uh, they've had a bit of um, they had a bit of issue with the with the union um, and the the women's head coach um, in a roundabout way, um, which I won't go into too much detail about on the pod, but. 
go um, into detail, but that's why we're here. I think uh, from there's basically not if it's going to be libelous. By the way, we don't want to get sued. Yeah, um, if just a few of their players put put things out about um, just management within their squad uh, not being treated very kindly. Um, Ooh. So it's there's been um, a few of that, uh, quite a bit of that in the past couple of months. Them being very vocal about on social media, rightly so. Um, so yeah, we haven't really heard much about them rugby wise, other than other than that at the moment. Um, so yeah, just waiting for Olympic selection from them. There we go. All right then. Well, look, there's rugby. There's rugby Europe sevens happening this weekend. So pretty much, tune into any stream any TV channel around the world, you're going to find some sevens, which is just the way we like it. Um, From my point of view, I want to give a shout out to the UK seven scene because it pretty much kicked off properly over here last weekend. It was the sunshine sevens, loads of seven tournaments beginning to build up. And it is the super series as well that is starting this weekend, which is the likes of rambling jesters, samurai marauders those kinds of teams who are potentially going to form the basis of the people who are going to be stepping into your shoes Burt's and mitch in the future so it's the first leg of that i think they're going to be streaming it it's going to be played at aldershot at the army base so i'm going to be there as well so that's that's another thing to be tuning in for so, so come say hi. That's your lot for this week, but we're going to be back and we're going to be ramping things up as we approach Tokyo. Day by day, we are drawing closer to that big kickoff we've been looking forward to for five years now. But until next time, from all of us up here in Seventh Heaven, it is adios. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>